This is Kate Borsay in for Phil Williams, 7 to 10pm, doing a live broadcast on Thursday, February the 18th, I think. Of the Long Covid Support Group. Good evening to you, Claire. Hi, good evening. Hiya, Claire. Welcome back to the show. Nick Mitchell is with us as well. Uh, She's been suffering from a variety of long-term medical problems since contracting COVID-19 last year. Good evening to you, Nick. Hi, Kate. Hi. Hiya. Welcome on to the show. Claire, let's start with you first of all. This will be a welcome move, I know, but does it go far enough? Does the government need to think beyond key workers who are suffering from long covid I mean, obviously, in an ideal world, that would be the case. Um, I, I'm not sure what's, what's practical in, in reality. I think in the EU, there are several countries that, that are um, recognising uh, long, long COVID or indeed COVID as an occupational disease. So I think a good first step would be to get, at the very least, I think the government should be compensating frontline workers, be they um, people who work in supermarkets, teachers, um, obviously NHS workers, taxi drivers um but ideally you know there's a huge swathe of people who've been financially completely you know left on their knees by this um a lot of us even almost a year on or even more than a year on in this case are unable to work um and we don't know when we will be able to work either through physical symptoms or cognitive impairment in my case i can't concentrate enough to do my job i don't know what the future holds for me financially it's, it's actually really scary as a single parent of yeah. three children you are founder of the long covid support group and this is a support group that you set up when long covid was not getting enough press claire i know i've spoken to you a couple of times on on times radio and the support for your group and the numbers in your group have swelled and swelled mm. um, you know this is a long-term public health issue that that will carry on getting worse um, and yet it feels a little bit like we're always playing catch-up doesn't it I mean, this is such a vast and complex problem. We're actually calling for there to be some kind of dedicated minister that can has responsibility and remit across departments, because this is more than a, than a Department of Health issue. It affects the DWP, um, with you know, with benefits and, and work and employment issues. It affects the Department of Education because children, a huge numbers of children, including my three, have long COVID and, and are struggling to to with their schooling. It affects industry. It affects local government. It really, really is a, a cross department issue. So we would really love to call for a, for a minister that has that accountability because we need to be on the shielding list. We need to be recognised as a disability so we have rights and protections at work. We need more money going into research and the money that's gone into research needs to be focused more on treatments. We don't need to have our symptoms told to us. We, we, we know that and we've got the ONS doing some great work on prevalence which needs to be refined as they recognise. But it's a massive, complex issue and it needs, it's a pandemic on the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and I think it needs more focus and more money and yeah. um, a more strategic approach to look at it holistically to the cost of yeah. to society. Uh, Nick Mitchell uh, has been suffering from long COVID for, um, for how long, Nick? Over a year 14 now? 14 months now. 14, yeah, 14 months, months. <laughs> and tell me, uh, tell me physically and mentally the issues that affect you that's, that stop you being able to work. Um, well, as Claire rightly said, obviously one of them is the cognitive impairment, so the brain fog, and to be honest, the complete exhaustion. It's become like a narcolepsy where I don't know when I'm going to fall asleep. I could be in the middle of a text message and I will just drop. My whole body weight will drop as though I'm having, um, as though I'm passing out. 
um, and then I would go into a very deep sleep. And that deep sleep could be anything between 10 and 15, 18 hours a day sometimes. And it's not controllable, it's not manageable. So you couldn't book a meeting and say, I'm going to come and see you next Thursday, because you'd have no idea if you'd even be awake in time. Um, and then physically, obviously, I, I can't walk more than a, a couple of hundred yards because I get out of breath. Players in a wheelchair. Um, 93% of the group uh, that was surveyed uh, in conjunction with Body Politic and ONS have not been able to return to full-time work. And as Claire rightly says, I have had not a penny of any benefit, yes. not a COVID benefit. So you're getting nothing benefit. at all, Nick? No nothing, universal no. credit, nothing at all? So no, how, nothing. How are you surviving? Luckily, I've got a property that I rent out, and I did, I did have real problems getting any tenants, obviously, in the first pandemic, because everyone wanted to be with their parents and their loved ones. Uh, but I, more recently, I've managed, luckily, to get some nice professional tenants in who cover the cost and then give me a little bit more that I live on. And Claire, how are you coping? Because you're not able to work or work at all or work much. What's your situation? I'm not able to work at all at the moment. I, I tried to go back after I'd been off work for six months. Um, I tried to go back two days a week, phased return. Um, but to do two days a week of old Claire's output was uh, yes. it took me more than full-time evenings and weekends. I couldn't sleep. I wasn't seeing my kids. I, I, it nearly broke me, so I, I had to stop. And I don't know what the future holds. I've had to say to my, my, my employers, a thankfully really brilliant company, 